You're listening to the Gluten-Free Guide Podcast with your host, Vanessa Weisbrod. Welcome to the Gluten-Free Guide Podcast. I'm Vanessa Weisbrod coming to you from the Celiac Disease Program at Children's National Health System. And I want to start out by saying a huge thank you to all of our dedicated listeners. I also want to welcome my co-host, Joanna McMahon, into the studio today. Welcome, Joanna. Hi, Vanessa. I'm so excited to be talking about this great podcast today. So today's podcast topic is very near and dear to both Joanna and my hearts. At our celiac program at Children's National, we spend a lot of time working with parents and patients on how to go to school safely. We help them set up 504 plans, and we work with their schools to find a way to make sure that they can easily manage the gluten-free diet at school. But one of the biggest questions we always encounter is how much gluten can a child actually be exposed to by touch before it causes a problem, and what is the best way to wash gluten off of their hands if they do touch it? To date, there is absolutely no research on this topic, which still, I think, blows our minds that nobody has looked at this before. I cannot imagine that. I know. It's crazy how simple it really is, but how no one has really investigated this yet. So we've decided to find out. So what our program is doing is we're going to be testing common products to see how much gluten is actually transferred to the hands of kids in schools. So we're talking about things like like Play-Doh, pasta in sensory tables, paper mache, all these things that kids use every single day. And one of the big things that we find is that parents of children with celiac typically request that schools eliminate these gluten-containing materials in the classroom, but since we have no data showing that gluten is actually transferred, we really don't know if it's a concern for these children with celiac disease, so we're really excited to find out why. Yeah, I mean, this possibly could be groundbreaking. I mean, we make all these recommendations, but we don't actually even know if any how much gluten possibly is transferred and if it's even meeting the 20 parts per million threshold. Absolutely. So what do you think, Joanna? Should we discuss this some more? I definitely. So you went into a little bit of detail, but how, how about you tell us a little bit more about the guidelines for this project and how it's going to look? So this whole project started because we have so many people requesting 504 plans. As you know, um, Joanna and our team works with many of the families who are working to set up 504 plans. And what we were finding was that parents had such different ideas of what their children should be accommodated for at school, but we had no evidence to inform the guidelines that we, we were telling schools that they should be following. There are common sense items, like if a child touches something that contains gluten, they should wash their hands. But we don't actually know if touching certain school supplies will really pose a problem. So we want to understand through this study how much gluten, first of all, is in everyday school supplies like Play-Doh and finger paints and um, paper mache and sensory table materials. Then is the gluten actually transferred to the hands of kids when they're playing with it? So for example, we know Play-Doh was made using wheat flour, but how much wheat flour actually goes onto their hands after they've been playing with it, and is it enough to actually pose a risk? Then the next layer of that becomes that schools are constantly asking us what the best method is to wash their hands. So is it soap and water while singing happy birthday? Is it a dry paper towel? Is it just rinsing them? Is it hand sanitizer or a wet wipe? Well, 
common sense tells us it's hand washing with soap and water for a, a, a respectable amount of time, but we really don't know the answer. So we're hoping that through this project, we'll be able to find out. Well, it also will help considering we usually make that accommodation or ask for that, but schools sometimes push back saying it's not as accessible for them. So we'll know how much we actually do need to enforce that as an accommodation we're asking for, correct? Absolutely. Great. So for those of us not familiar with this research, like these research testing procedures and how we would take those measurements, can you explain how you're going to be measuring the gluten levels and how you'll know they're consistent throughout this experiment? That is an excellent question. And going into this project, I had no idea either. But thankfully, there are a lot of people who specialize in these types of measurements um, at Children's National. And we're really lucky to be working with an excellent team. Um, We'll be using a, a couple of different types of ways to measure the gluten transferred. One is using a swab test. So taking kids who've interacted with these materials and then swabbing their hands in a set surface area to see how much was transferred to their hands. Then for things that we're gonna be testing the transfer of gluten to, like gluten-free bread, for example, in some of the scenarios, we'll actually be running the, the bread products and the food products through the traditional ELISA food testing where you grind it down. So there'll be, I think, over a thousand different samples run for this experiment. Oh my goodness. And how are you going to keep them all straight? (laughs) A lot of labeling. (laughs) We're doing um, practice run-throughs and making sure we have very, very clear labeling for for everything, which is, you know, really, really important. Um, We're going to be testing eight different scenarios ranging from Play-Doh and paper mache and sensory table materials, like I already mentioned, but then also looking in home ec classrooms. So, for example, if the class is making pizzas, could a student use a gluten-free pizza dough while other students are using a gluten-containing pizza dough and then cook them in the same oven without having contamination? Um, We're also going to be looking at cutting things using the same utensils and how much gets transferred in that process. And then perhaps the one I'm most looking forward to is the community service project. So almost every year I was in school, we had a day where we made sandwiches for a local homeless shelter. And I just remember touching hundreds of pieces of whole wheat bread. This is before I knew I had celiac, obviously. Um, But this still happens in schools all the time, and we really don't know what the risk is for kids participating in projects like this that are really important to to the community and also to helping them understand the whole idea of giving back. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what the potential transfer is there, not only for doing these projects, but also if you're in a classroom or in a lunchroom eating next to a friend who has a a sandwich on whole wheat bread and they set it down on the table and then you sit at the same table and your food touches the table where their whole wheat bread touched how much is transferred we really don't know so i'm really looking forward to seeing the results from this this is awesome i'm super excited too i can't believe no one has ever done this before yet well you know there's a lot of areas to be focused on in the celiac community and this is just one of them and i feel lucky that our program is supporting research into these educational opportunities that's great so how are you choosing participants for the project 
That is a great question. So we have hundreds of kids who would love to participate in this project who have celiac because it's really important to them to understand this. However, because we will be exposing kids to items that we know contain gluten, we actually can't enroll kids in the study who have celiac disease. So we are in search of 10 healthy siblings or friends of kids who have celiac um, who themselves don't have celiac to participate in the project because we would not want to knowingly expose a child with celiac disease to gluten. So it, it's funny. We're kind of almost like looking outside of our usual research pool. <laughs> Absolutely. But I know that we there are lots of families out there who are listening who have one child with celiac disease and one who doesn't have it um, or perhaps a cousin that would be excited to participate to really help their family members know how to safely attend school. And when are you planning on doing this? The experiment is going to be held on Saturday, December 8th. So if anyone out there is listening and is interested in participating in the project, um, you can reach out to us at celiac at childrensnational.org um, to get more information. And we would just love to welcome any families into the project who are willing to contribute. So overall, what are you hoping is going to be gained from this project? So there's a, there's a few different outcomes to this project. One, we find that there's a huge level of transfer of gluten and a huge risk of kids being exposed to gluten. With those findings, we'll be able to confidently continue asking for stricter accommodations in school because we'll see that there is a real need and a real risk for these kids being exposed to gluten. Option two is that we find very little risk of transfer, you know, well below the accepted thresholds. And I think that will give us a lot of hope that our kids don't need as strict of accommodations at school because the risk of, of transfer or contamination is very small. So I'm hoping it's one of those two outcomes. <laughs> but of course, we run the risk of being somewhere in the middle. And, you know, regardless of where we end up, this is a pilot study, so we're going to have very small numbers here. We're only going to be testing with 10 kids. Our hope is that down the line we'll be able to get funding to do a much larger study with hundreds of kids so that we we can look at, you know, different age groups, different sizes of hands, um, kids who are, you know, in preschool versus, versus high school to really have a better understanding. But I think that the data from this pilot project will at least help us understand where the, the research needs to go after that. That's amazing. I mean, even just to think about the different sizes of hands and how that might be a huge difference in what the outcome is. Right. Well, I think that is, this is groundbreaking and exciting, and I can't wait for, um, to be a part of it and for our listeners to hear even more as to what comes from it. So again, so thanks so much, Vanessa. If there are any, is there, if there's families listening who are interested in working on this project, you know, please reach out. Again, the email is celiac at childrensnational.org. Or if you just have questions about helping your kids go to school safely now, um, Joanna and our education team are here to help. Um, so, you know, please don't be shy in reaching out to us. Definitely. Great. So before we sign off for today, I've got our grocery store tip of the week brought to you thanks to the generous support of Giant Martin's Foods. 
Are you looking for hostess gifts this holiday season? How about a nice flower arrangement? Most grocery stores not only stock a variety of beautiful bouquets and flat plants for the season, they'll even offer special florist arranging services upon request. So take advantage of the floral department next time you're shopping and bring a smile to someone's face. That's a really good idea. I've actually never thought about doing that, but what a nice idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, folks, we are out of time for today. I hope that everyone enjoyed today's podcast and perhaps is a little bit inspired to get involved in research. And we will talk to you again next time. <laughs>